shall I be saved from mine enemy. I know the Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. I know the Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. And I will call upon the Lord. Good morning, family. Great to see everyone this morning, especially our guests. Thank you for being here and being a part of our assembly today. And once you know if you're passing through and you're going somewhere else and you stop by today, thanks for being here. Come back anytime you have a chance. And if you're from our area and you've come in today, thanks for doing that. Appreciate you being here and just know that you're welcome anytime. Come back and be a part of our assemblies. Uh, we've had a lot of wind here, I guess, uh, recently. So um, met, missed our assembly last week. And, and I don't know about you, but that, that, that gets old real quick. I have to be with you guys or I start having little little withdrawals and stuff so uh but it is just good to be with i don't know if you of course since y'all weren't here last week you probably didn't know that i wasn't here either i was in a foreign country uh do you call canada a foreign country um not really uh, i mean kevin was awful worried about going across the border but the rest of us were okay with it uh but anyway it's just nice to be back nice to be with family and i hope that uh um, you're being encouraged by being here this morning. Going to be talking about something I think is good, kind of interesting deal over in First, Second Corinthians. Give me Second Corinthians chapter three. So if you'd like to turn your Bibles over to Second Corinthians chapter three, mu much of what we'll say will come from that. And I won't have time to read all of Second Corinthians chapter three this morning. So what I encourage you to do is, as we go through this, if there's something, if you you know you read through that, there's probably some other stuff that you'll gain that I won't be able to talk about uh, this morning. So Second Corinthians chapter three. Now. Uh, the, how I titled this thing was, I can see clearly now the veil is gone, which of course is the kind of the idea, I can see clearly now the rain is gone, but it's kind of that idea, and, and before you start singing, it's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day, I'd like you to think about the idea that I think is very accurate when it comes to Second Corinthians chapter 3, and that is, I can see clearly now that the veil is gone. And it is gone, and we'll talk about that as we go through. So, let's have a prayer, and then we'll read from Second Corinthians chapter 3. Father, we are thankful to be able to come before you today and to, uh, to lean on you in rough times and to enjoy your peace and good times. And, and Father, we ask that um, as we go through this life that you are with us, that you're leading and guiding us, Father, through uh, whatever trials and troubles we may have. And, and Father, we ask today that, you, that uh, as we go through this life that you will help us, Father, to see you clearly, to know who you are, and to let you, Father, take our lives and just make us into whatever you want us to be. And Father, we also ask that as we live our lives that people can see you through us and that we will live for you in such a way that uh, as they look at our attitude or the way that we conduct ourselves, things that we say, uh, we want them to be able to see you in us. And so, Father, we ask that you have our lives even in that way uh, this day. We thank you, Father, for, for each other, to be able to lean on one another. And we ask, Father, that as we go through life, that you will just continue to, to be in complete control. Father, many of our family got, uh, well, they have a lot of illnesses and things going on. And we just ask, Father, that you would bless them. and We want them to be healthy again. But, Father, we also know that there are those uh, struggling spiritually. And that's the real healing we like for people to have. And, and so, Father, we ask that for everyone. And we know that you have provided spiritual healing through your son. And, and so, Father, today, as those uh, there are, we have friends and family that are struggling, 
We ask that you would use us as instruments of your peace, that we would be able to um, show others uh, how wonderful and gracious and merciful you are, and that, Father, you have provided everything that we need spiritually. And Help us, Father, to show that, to talk about it, and help us, Father, to help one another. We thank you, Father, for all the blessings that you give us, and we ask you this day to help us as we open up your word and look at the things you have given us in it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's read a few verses. This is over in chapter, chapter 3, verse 12 through 18. This is what Paul says. As a matter of fact, if you look at the context there, uh, he's actually talking about his ministry and the things that he's saying. And there's some people that aren't understanding and aren't getting that sort of thing. And so anyway, he says in verse 12, Therefore, since we have such hope, we are very bold. Talking about the way he's talking to other people. We are not like Moses. Well, what about Moses? Well, he would, he would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. Okay, so the idea is, if you remember over in the book of Exodus, that when uh, Moses was exposed to this, the glory of God, uh, and that happened, uh, he was up on the mountain, it happened, it happened when he went in the temple, when those things would happen, he'd put a veil over his face. Now, he put that veil over his face for a couple of reasons. One is, if you remember, when he came down off the mountain, he was glowing. <laughs> I, don't, you know, I don't know what it looked like, but you think it, you know, like a, this little beam all around him. And he, but anyway, it scared him. They were, they were frightened of him, and so they were all going to run away from him. And so, uh, matter of fact, he, if you're reading it, in, uh, if you want to look at that context over in Exodus, he, he, it says that they, uh, when they all wanted to run away. Well, he went ahead and told the law, but then he put a veil over it so they wouldn't be scared, that sort of thing. But also, when he went into the temple and the glory was revealed and he came out, he would put this veil over his face to keep it, the Israelites from seeing it fading away. In other words, it, it, would, it would, I guess, you know. It's kind of like I have one of these, and David found it in, for me, and he gave it to me. It was, a, it was a little golf ball that he put it in the sun, and it, and it absorbed the sun, I guess. And then at night, if you wanted to play golf at night, which I don't know why you'd want to do that, but I can't play today. Uh, but I, you put the ball, and when you, you, know, you, could, you could see it at night. It glowed because you know, it absorbed that. And I assume it was something like that. And you've probably seen stuff like that where if you put it in the sun, it, it you know, glows for a while. And then it loses it after a while. And that's kind of the idea. They were, it, Moses was, was putting his veil so they, they didn't see that. It, it, was, it was hidden, you know, that sort of thing, veiled. So they could, and for us, I know it's kind of a weird thing for people to talk about putting veils on. Right? I mean, we, you just don't see that much unless you're watching some kind of television show or other parts of the country, and then you might see women veiled. And matter of fact, in some some situation, you might see a man wearing a veil. There's religious reasons for that, and, and things that they do for that reason. So they understand. You know, when he talked about a veil, that wasn't a big deal. You know, just the veil part. But what he was doing was an important thing when it came to the idea of the old covenant versus the new covenant, and what God was trying to get people to have and so he goes on to say this after he talks about putting that veil over so they wouldn't see the radiance fading away but their minds were made dull for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read it has not been removed because only in christ is it taken away oh I can see clearly now the veil is gone because it's in christ that the veil is taken away and all of a sudden, things become clearer. Even to this day, most a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. They can see clearly. 
when the veil is taken away. So it's a very interesting context there, and I'll let you go ahead and read the rest of it there. But there's a lot of things said there that I hope will be encouraging to you because in Christ you have something very, very special that even the old covenant couldn't provide. And, by the way, Paul is not trying to put down or to uh, uh, somehow demean the old covenant. That was not the purpose in this. That's not what he's trying to do. What he's trying to do is say there was glory and there was radiance in the old covenant. But that, is, that, is, that, that part is fading away. And now what we have is even more glorious, even more powerful and more wonderful that we have in Christ. So don't let your face be veiled. Oh, it just happens that sometimes we just can't see it. Sometimes, we just, sometimes we've, I do it, I put a veil over, and with that veil what I mean is I, I've decided how I'm going to interpret things or how I'm going to look at things because I, I've decided already. And so therefore everything I look at, I'm looking at through that veil, if that makes sense. You know, when I look at, when Teresa looks at me, she looks through rose-colored glasses. When I look at her, I look through rose. Okay, you get the picture, right? We, we, look, we look in such a way that we see them in, in, a, in a certain light, okay? And that's the idea that I'd like you to see. One, first of all, think about it. What about the Bible? You have something in your hands there that, that, that is, as far as I'm concerned, is the most precious thing that, you could ever been, that God could ever give us. I mean, outside of Jesus coming to the earth. But something today I can have now. I can understand and see what God wants for me. What a precious blessing it is to have the Bible. But yet sometimes, even looking at the Bible, I can look at it with a veiled face. It's this Bible that is... That gives us, shows us what life is. Is the Bible a book of life? Because if you look at the Bible like that, it's a little bit different. I thought about this verse. This is over in verse, if you just look up a few verses in verse 6. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. And this is what he says. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You see what the Bible has been. I mean, I understand that if you read Leviticus especially, what you'll find is a bunch of laws, rules. Don't do it. Do it. And those were important, and they were very much needed because God was asking people to live a certain way, get certain things out of their life. He was preserving the lineage through which Christ would come. And so, therefore, he had a lot of things that he wanted to do and not to do. So he made a book of rules, a book of laws. And to this day, sometimes, with the veil on, we, what we want to do is we want to look at the Bible as a book of rules, book of laws. Show me what not to do, show me what to do, and I'll just do them. We're looking at it with a veil over. Because this Bible we have is more, oh, so much more than rules and laws. And what it does is it exposes life, shows you how to have it. And this life is beautiful and wonderful. As a matter of fact, I just thought about it. It's, it's the idea of, of showing us how to get to Christ. The whole thing. You start all the way back in Genesis when you and I, our ancestors were created, and here we are today. When all of that began, the whole thing was, look, I'm going to tell you about the people and what they did and how Christ got here. And when Christ came here, he was the sacrifice for everyone's sins so that they could all be God's child. Now that their sins will not separate them from God. Oh, the Bible is just a beautiful roadmap to our Lord to show us what it's all about. Now, you could look at the Bible and say, well, what does the Bible say about doing this or not doing that? Or 
You can look at it that way. People do look at it that way. But if that's the only way you see it, you're missing out. You're missing out. Because what the Bible provides is life. Matter of fact, that brings me to the next point, and that's this. Sometimes I think we need to back up and see God for who He is. I had an idea when I was younger, maybe you did too, that God was kind of like my fifth grade teacher. Anybody teach fifth grade in here? Got a lot of teachers, I'm sorry. My fifth grade teacher. I don't even remember her name. That's bad. I don't know you guys are surprised that I wouldn't remember something. But I, I, remember, but I do remember that she had a ruler. And I also remember that for some reason, fifth grade was the worst year of my life. <laughs> because I had a teacher who, for some reason, I just felt like I was in her spotlight all the time. And she was ready to get Rick. That's the way I perceived it in the fifth grade. Okay, I understand she had probably 20 other kids in there to deal with, but I just thought her life was to make Rick miserable. I thought that's what she did. She was looking for me to mess up. Anybody ever been around somebody like that? Just waiting for me to do something wrong. And that was still, now you guys might be surprised, but that was still when she'd walk behind you and smack you a good with that ruler. Uh, now they've probably put in jail for that. I don't know. But, oh, was, I remember one time in the recess, a kid got some gum in my hair. I didn't do it. And I had nothing to do with it. I was being good. I don't know why this kid stuck that gum in my hair. But anyway, when I got into class, I said, so-and-so, I can't remember her name. I'm glad. Uh, got this gum in my hair, and she said, I'll get that out. Put in the trash. My mom did not like that. But I thought, you know, that's sometimes that's our view of God. He's just looking up there, waiting for you to mess up, waiting for you to do something wrong, and he's ready to smack you, ready to slap you, ready to hurt you. Sometimes that's the view we have of God. That's not God. But with, if that's the veil, if that's the way we see God, then everything's going to come through that. That's the way we're going to view it. Is that God's way? And you may think, and I hope, that at least if you've been a part of this congregation very long, that you're thinking, no, 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 that's not the God we serve. I've read my Bible. I don't see that at all. I hope that's the way you look at it. But I want you to know that you're not, not everyone does like you do. Not everyone sees it like you do. Some people still see God as the mean one. All right? Also, there's this idea of sometimes we see God as, as almost like a, I enjoy finding you wrong. Well, look what you did. I've got you. <laughs> I knew you'd mess up. I've been waiting for this, right? Sometimes we get that view of God. Did you know that in your New Testament, the opposite is found? God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to eternal life. He wants everyone to be saved from their sins. That's the whole story of Christ. But sometimes we don't see God in the view we should see God. The blindness is like this. Therefore, since we have God's mercy, we have this ministry. We do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced the secret and shameful ways. We, and we do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, if people don't see it, it is veiled to those who are perishing. They have chosen not to. Why? Well, it's the God of this age. He's blinded him. 
He's blinding the minds of the unbelievers so that they can't see the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ who is the image of God. If I were to ask you, try to describe God for me in one word. What's the word you'd use? Why would you say that? Well, you're quoting, basically you're quoting John. God is love, right? And so therefore, if you were going to say, well, what's God like? Well, the first thing you would say is God is love. Now, there are a lot of things involved in that, but when you back up and you say, well, let me see God clearly, what you see is God is love. Oh, how do you know that? Well, what we're exposing is, is that Christ is the very image of God. We can look at Christ. We can see what he did. We can see what his purpose in life was. Did you know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son? Why? Because he didn't want anybody to perish. It's all about love for his creation. I hope I can see God in the right way. I also thought about this in the society of blindness. They couldn't see that Christ had come. In other words, the people that Paul was talking to in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, they didn't see that the king had come. They, I mean, they had read about it. They knew that the Savior was coming, and they were expecting it to happen. But when he did, they didn't see it. I think about what John said about it. The light came to the darkness, but the darkness couldn't comprehend the light. Matter of fact, they rejected the light. Matter of fact, they killed the light. So therefore, they couldn't see blindness, veils over their eye. They couldn't see that things are different now. This old law that they had was glorious and wonderful, and it did what it was supposed to do. But its glory was fading away. And now Christ was coming, and that glory was much greater than the other glory was. But they couldn't see that, blindness. Also, and maybe you today, maybe you can't see Christianity not as a life of restriction, but a life of freedom. That's what God wants you to give you, a life of freedom from sin. That's the whole story of Christ. One last thing I thought about, this idea of, of, of Christianity, all right? A clear view of it. It's not a life of restriction. It is a life of freedom. Uh, I thought about this. This is what was read a few minutes ago in, first, or in John chapter 10. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. The sheep didn't listen to them. But I am the gate. And whoever enters through me will be saved. He'll go in and he'll go out and he'll find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Did you know that God has, matter of fact, his purpose is to give you a full and free and peaceful life. He wants you to have that. As a matter of fact, God can, will give you that. You might be thinking right now, oh boy, I've got struggles, family struggles, relationships with my wife, with my kids. I've got monetary issues. I don't know how I'm going to pay for this and how I'm going to do that. Matter of fact, you may have family members and you're, oh, they've got these problems, they've got these issues. How am I going to deal with it? I have anything but peace. The key to everything when it comes to living life to the full is to lean on and get your peace from God. God. You see, this world has always been, since the very first people were here, a fallen place. People have decided to turn against God. 
And when, while we're living in this fallen world, pain is going to happen and sorrow is going to take place and relationship problems are always going to be there and issues are always going to be coming up. So therefore, the key is not, well, God, take me out of all of these things. Get me away from all of these issues. That's not going to happen as long as you're here. So what, how can we do this? How can we get through? The key is, open the veil and see what the peace really is, is that God in your life, Christ cleansing you from sin, gives you a peace through His Spirit that it will lead you and guide you and help you through all the stuff that might happen on this earth. Oh, it's a little different. Uh, I'm reminded of the old song, right? I beg your pardon. Anybody know? I never, I never did say this was going to be easy. As a matter of fact, I said opposite of that. This is going to be a tough place, but I'll help you through it. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I want you to have life, and I want you to have it to the fullest. Can you see that? Can we open up our eyes and see, number one, can we see that Christianity is a life of freedom? Oh, no, it's not all this, oh, how can you follow all those? I've had people tell me that. Oh, just too many rules, too many things to follow. Guys, that's not what Christianity is about at all. As a matter of fact, it's opposite of that. What Christ provides is freedom. I was thinking about this this last week. We were uh, way out in the middle of nowhere and just having a blast. <laughs> uh, way out in the middle of nowhere. And I got to thinking, you know, there are some people uh, on this lake here, they don't care anything about God. And they, when they see that sunset, they don't see God or let them even think about it. When they see this creation, when they see all that, they don't think about that. They don't, it doesn't cross their mind. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know how I could get through my day if it weren't for my God. I don't know how I can handle the trials, stress, things that come up. How, how can people do that? I don't understand. How can people look at their things and say, there is no God. I don't believe in it. Okay? Some do. Therefore, what I've, become to, what I've set back to discover is that, wait a minute. What Christ gives us, our belief in Him is, is true life, is a peaceful life, is something that goes beyond anything that I could ever imagine if it weren't for my God. Christianity is a life of freedom. Also remember, what you read when you read the Bible is a book of life. There's two things I want to say about that real quickly. One is, if you haven't read it, read it. Would you guys say amen to that? What good does it do to have a Bible to know it, to see that God has given us His words if you never read it? Okay, so therefore, I'm going to encourage you, know what it says, all right? But secondly, when you do read it, read it for what it is. When you read things in the Old Testament, realize that that was the idea of bringing Christ into this world, and now He's here, and He has given everything for you. It was all about the sacrifice of Christ cleansing us from our sins, the love that God has for us. And now through His mercy, we can have the forgiveness of sins and we can be provided with Him an eternal home. Oh, the Bible is a wonderful book and it tells us how to have life. And lastly, we remember that God loves you so much. He'd give anything for you, including His Son on the cross. Motivates me. Motivates me to give my life to Him. God, what have you done for me? You've done everything for me. Oh, let's let me, I just want to do whatever I can do for my Lord. This morning, let's decide, God first. We believe He's real, we believe the Bible is true, and we believe that He's coming back. Amen? And if He's coming back, I can't wait to see Him. I want to be with Him. 
If you're not prepared to be with him this day, let's decide. God first. We're going to give our lives to him. I encourage you today, make sure you give your life to your Lord. He'll give you eternal life, a blessed life, an abundant life. He wants you to have that. Not only here. Not only here. Matter of fact, maybe at the least I could say would be here. The most I could say would be the eternal life he has for us when this life is over. If you're not giving your life to Christ, won't you confess him as your Lord? Put him first in your life. This morning, not only say, Christ, I want you to be in my life, but say, Christ, I want you to be my life. You have it. It's yours. I give it all up for you. I believe that God is real. Be buried into Christ this morning through baptism. We have water right here. If you'd like to be immersed into Christ today, decide today. God first. I belong to him. If you need to respond, Christ calls you to come to him. As together we stand and sing this song.